Blessed are those who thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Hi, my name is uh, Jeremy Lightnin. Welcome to our Thirsty Podcast. I'm here with Zirconium. That is one of the metal men from DC Comics, I am told. Uh, but uh, we are here with some special guests. Zirconium and I are here with uh, some people that are near and dear to your heart and uh, are becoming near and dear to mine. Uh, do you want to introduce them? Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. So we have our first lay people as guests, uh, Jared and Katie Sunstall. So Jared and Katie, where are you living right now? So we live in, uh, in South Alabama, so in, in Mobile, Alabama right now, Pastor. All right. And uh, what are you doing down there, Jared? So I'm, I'm currently the uh, department chair at the University of South Alabama for their military science department, or uh, as most people would know it for the... Uh, I missed that. Yeah, yeah you cut out right there. So the currently the department chair for military science in Army ROTC at the University of South Alabama. Okay. And what are you doing, Katie? Um, I'm actually a student at Community College in New York currently. I'm studying psychology. And uh, spring semester, I transfer to South University of Alabama. Wow. So do you two remember how we first met? Because it was a long time ago. It was like 24 years ago. Yeah, so we were actually talking pastor. So I have two answers because one of them has to be right. Um, <laughs> so I, I know that we moved to uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky, um, or we got stationed at Fort Knox, Kentucky with Radcliffe right outside the gates. Um, and we were looking for a church. Um, I, was, I was raised Lutheran. Katie had went to, to multiple denominations. Um, and, and I think we used a phone book uh, and, and found, uh, and, and then I know that uh, we were looking to have our daughter baptized. Um, so we did the Bible information class, and I know you did a home visit uh, on base. Yeah, that's the story. That's right. Uh, because what I remember, well, what was the other story? Well, I kind of blended those two together to make okay. sure that I, I got it right. It was, <laughs> it was our daughter to get baptized. I couldn't have, the home visit was first, or if we came to the church to, to get ready to do the Bible class, I couldn't remember yeah. which one. So what it was is, I remember it, uh, that you, Jared, left a message on the answer machine at church at Faith in Radcliffe, Kentucky, saying, hey, this is Jared Sunstall, and we have a, a newborn baby, and we'd like to have her baptized, and, you know, and that was the message. And yeah, I came to the house, I went through God's Great Exchange, and I remember going through the law part and I asked you about it. And Jared, you said, yeah, that doesn't sound good at all. Cause I was talking about going to hell and so forth. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we got to the good part of the gospel and then, yeah, taking you guys through classes and, and, you know, you guys are both very special to me. And then Madison, your oldest daughter is special too, because she was one of the first babies I baptized after, uh, at Faith in Radcliffe, and what is she going to be doing now this spring? So Madison will be graduating from MLC in the spring, and um, she has decided to uh, get back to the military community and work in Dodia. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to be doing is uh, 
because Jared and Katie and I, we've seen each other, what, one time since the, since you guys left Fort Knox? I think so. Yep. Yeah. About we 11 were, years. Yeah. We, we were supposed to come out and when you guys were out at West Point, we were supposed to come out and visit with you and stay with you for a week. And then the world shut down. And so that vacation got canceled. So now we're going to be meeting at MLC. And I, I, I brag about it all the time that one of the first kids I baptized is now at MLC uh, graduating. Uh, and before we get into some of these things too, I, I want to share some of the stories too. Uh, I, I tell these stories all the time uh, that one of them is, you know, Jared, do you remember when we were at the hospital, uh, you know, that Katie just had given birth to Megan and we're up in the hospital in Louisville. You remember uh, you and I going all around the hospital trying to find a glass bowl for the baptism. So, and, and I do remember, so, and, and you were like, Jared, do you want to do the baptism? And I'm like, Pastor, I, I don't know if it's going to stick. Like you were up here. Let's, let's just do this thing right. That doing is, this. That's exactly the story I tell is that uh, it's a Baptist hospital. They don't baptize infants. So trying to find a bowl for an infant baptism was impossible. Yeah. And then when you and I were walking in the door, I asked you, because like you said, you went through the classes with me and I said, Jared, do you want to baptize uh, your baby? And you said, well, I know I can, but I'd rather you do it. So it sticks. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, and then another another story. Michelle and I were talking about that. Uh, the story of last night is uh, when in your apartment in Louisville, and then Megan or Madison was probably three or so, yeah. and then she set out some goldfish crackers, and then she had her juice box, and she set it out, and then she said, "Take and eat. This is the body of Christ. Take and drink. This is the blood of Christ." Yeah, I yeah. remember that she was, she was giving communion to everybody in the living room. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Uh, so, start them too young. That's right. You know, they're listening. And so what I wanted to talk to you guys about is, you know, what's it like in a military life as a, uh, a, a soldier, a, a husband and a father, Jared? And then we'll ask you, Katie, as a mother and a wife. Yeah, no, I, I think that, um, you know, when I first came in the army and, it, and it's funny if you, I went to basic training and I think like most privates, you're, you're, you're tired uh, and you don't reprieve for those eight to 16 weeks. And I remember a lot of people that would go to chapel on Sundays because they could have a minute to, to relax. Right. Um, so seeing through the years of, of being a soldier of, you know, the military is one of the institutions that is, is still kept prayer chaplains. Um, so, so I think it's, it's, um, it's good in the sense that they still recognize that. I think one thing, you know, being a soldier, I think um, we don't have any Wells chaplains. I know we have a lot of Wells outreach um, for, you know, some of the military foundations they have. Um, but I, I think it's at times it, it's easy because the military supports it. And then I think there's other times where, you know, you have to look at your position and your responsibility, and it's it's not like working at Google or Amazon where you may be able to to share your faith. Whereas, 
you know, I, as a, uh, as an army officer, I'm not going to share my faith necessarily with a subordinate because now you're crossing regulations and different things. So I think it's got, it's, it's good and it's bad. Um, but, but, you know, I'll tell you, uh, you know, still to this day, I, I remember my, my first deployment to Iraq, um, it was, it was Christmas Eve and we were doing a chapel service and I don't, you know, I don't know what denomination the chaplain was probably non-denomination, but I remember we sang amazing grace and like, I remember that being like, I can't sit in church now and not cry <laughs> what amazing grace plays. It's just kind of funny. It's just one of those things that's, that's like fresh in your I think it's it's um, it's a double-edged sword of, of kind of serving in the middle, um, being a Christian where it's, it's supportive, but then there's kind of boundaries as well, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I got a... Go ahead, Jared. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Jeremy. I, and, and what's that too, though, is... Last night I was texting another young guy, the first confirmand I had, and uh, he's now in the chaplain's office in the army. So I want to have him on in, in a few weeks too, to kind of ask him the same kind of things you were talking about, Jared. So Jeremy, what were you going to say? Uh, I, I don't know if either of you can speak to this, uh, Jared or Katie, but um, I was listening to a podcast, a, a secular topic, totally non-religious uh, that was, but it, they were talking about the military and they try to keep like a very, you know, not political, uh, either conservative or liberal uh, side of uh, things when they, with who they interview and what they talk about. But uh, one of the guests on this show was saying that uh, as an outsider, he was doing consulting with the military and he was just amazed at how uh, the military, whatever branch you're in, the military is constantly doing self-evaluation like there is no organization uh in our in our country or maybe even on earth that does more self-evaluating than the military and and how they're just constantly uh trying to to be the best that they can be is that does that does that sound like goals that that you see in your line of work yeah no i think absolutely i mean if, i think if you if you were to even look at history to look at society changes, um, you know, through the 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, you look up, think about like women's rights. I mean, there's women serving in the military doing hard jobs before even allowed them to do them in the civilian sector, right? When you look at segregation, I mean, you can look at all different types of ethnic groups fighting in the army when we were still going through, you know, the MLK marches here in the U.S. So I think that the army has been very progressive and really becomes kind of the I don't want to call it the test bed, but, you know, a, a population of people of where they can self-evaluate and make those changes. And then you can kind of see society come behind them um, a number of months or years later. I was just to add to that, uh, point out that, um, did you know that this is Women's History Month? <laughs> it is. I, and uh, I think I, we didn't plan it this way, but uh, to... Uh, to commemorate that on this podcast, uh, Katie gets to be the first female guest that we interview. Yes, I'm honored. <laughs> that, was, that was a great segue, Jeremy. Good job. It was. <laughs> so to, with that then, Katie, what's it like to be a an army wife and army mother? Um, so I, I love the army. I love the army lifestyle. Um, I think it's fun. 
it's exciting. Uh, you know, we get to have new experiences. We move a lot. Um, our home here in Mobile is number 16 for us um, in 23 years. Um, and uh, we've gotten pretty good at, at uh, picking up and, and moving and making a home. Uh, one of the things that um, the Wells and the church itself has done for us is uh, help create a sense of community um, throughout all the changes. Um, the Wells churches really remain consistent. Um, and I wanna point out, Pastor Zarling, that you were uh, my first Wells pastor. Um, and you were actually one of the very first changes that I experienced in my life as an army spouse um, and, uh, because you received a call. Um, I can't remember exactly what year it was um, after we arrived um, in Radcliffe, but uh, it was actually really devastating for me uh, when you left um, because um, I felt like my faith was very much tied to you. Uh, because you were the first person to really introduce me to uh, the Lutheran faith. Um, and the Lutheran faith was really special to me because, as Jared mentioned earlier, um, I was introduced to a lot of different denominations up, um, all of which, anytime I had questions about, you know, where does it say that in the Bible, um, you know, often I would, you know, no one could really show that to me until uh, the Lutheran faith. And so automatically, like things just began, began to me. And, um, and that's when it really, the, the faith really clicked for me. So having said that, when, when you received a call and, and you left, uh, <laughs> it was Pastor Horley that came after you. And I was thinking to myself, okay, who is this guy? Uh, <laughs> and, um, but of course, I gave him a chance. And grew to love him and every pastor after him and I saw that my faith continued to grow uh, with each pastor and I realized that it was that that thread that that bound each of you and that consistency that was that you were teaching the same word and and um, I I'm thankful that we were able to raise kids in a faith that was um, that, that stood on the word of God and um so yeah i hope that answered your question <laughs> that's awesome well thanks i i really appreciate that that means a lot to me and i think of you guys and others that were there in kentucky too you know because you do move around and then you know when i check up on you on social media and so forth hey there's still there's still wells you know the faith stuck and that's 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 exciting and and I told some of my high schoolers this last week when I was visiting them at Shoreland because they were confirmed last May and I haven't seen them since then. And so I was kind of chastising them about that and saying, you know, I want to see you and I want to see your parents. Just said, you know, I like you guys, but I love your parents. And I wanted them to understand because they're like, you know, you two, Jared and Katie. And I'm sure, Jeremy, you had people like this, you know, taking those adults through instruction class, those 14 weeks or so, they're like your spiritual children. And it's really, it really saddens a pastor when, whether it's kids, but especially the adults when they kind of fall away. But when like you guys sticking it out 20 plus years after, and then raising your children in the faith, that's, that's cool. That's what this work, 
work's all about. Uh, with this then, you know, two of you, how far away have you lived from Wells congregations, from Wells churches when you've moved around those 16 times in 23 years? Yeah, so I think the the first, well, actually, we, there was two places where it was uh, about an hour and a half one way. So it was, you know, a round trip of, of three hours on Sundays. Uh, when we were at Fort Benning, um, I can't even remember what city the, the church was in, uh, but it was about an hour and a half away. Uh, but then they would do a, they would do a sack service where you could drive to Auburn, Alabama. So it was like you would drive, you could drive 45 minutes tv or you drive an hour and a half and see it in person um and then the the place previous to moving here to alabama we're west point new york and the nearest one um was in new jersey so that was about an hour and a half drive as well drive into a a a, a second state and some of our people they don't even they don't know what it's like you know living here in the racine milwaukee area if they were driving by an hour and a half what do you think Jeremy, they're going to go by like a hundred Wells churches. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Where was the, what was the uh, town or the name of the church in New Jersey? It was Valley, uh, New Jersey. Emmanuel. Emmanuel Lutheran. Uh, what was the city name again? Long Valley. Okay. A little church. Yeah. 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 And, and for some people to think about, oh, I don't want to drive you know, 15 minutes across town to go to church and you guys are driving an hour and a half one way uh, to another state to worship. But what does that do to your, your kids? How, how have they seen, uh, you know, that commitment and what does that mean to them? I mean, I think it of its importance to our kids. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, and, 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 you know, like the church we're at in New Jersey um, was during the pandemic as well. But it wasn't like we, we could drive there, you know, four Sundays a month where you, you know, we figure out, Hey, we're going to go the first day and then we could zoom in for the second and third Sunday. And then, you know, there's a special event or there's something going on in the church and we'd physically go there. So, um, and that was actually the church too, where the pastors uh, would drive to us um, and then they would do church in our house, and then we would have cadets that were going to West Point would come to our house, and then we could just service there. Um, I don't think Katie and I's singing voices did any good there, <laughs> but uh, we were able to pull it off. Yeah, so um, towards the end of our time there, we would make dinner, and and uh, the pastors would all we'd have cadets over, and we'd have church in our home, so that was kind of fun. So they us, and it was great. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So how did you, how did you get in contact with these cadets? Does the Wells do that for you or how does that work? Yeah, I think they, when they, um, cause like the one kid was from Minnesota, the other girl was from California. I don't know, but I think when they, their churches notify the nearest Wells church, I believe, and you guys probably know this better than I do. Uh, but then the, so then the church they able to say, Hey, we got, Compromands that are going to West Point. Um, here's their phone numbers. Re if you want to reach out and see if they want to, you know, either want to ride to church or if they want to do it in your house. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. Jeremy, you have any other questions before we get into the gospel lesson? Uh, 
Not particularly, just uh, want to say thank you again for lay people like yourselves who make that uh, effort and that sacrifice and uh, it certainly doesn't go unrewarded. Thank you. So Jeremy, you want to read the gospel from Luke 13? Sure. Um, so this is Luke 13. It begins with uh, verse 31. In that very hour, some Pharisees came to him and said, leave and go away from here because Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, go tell that fox, look, I am going to drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the next day, because it cannot be that a prophet would be killed outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those sent to her. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, one of the things, Jaron and Kay, the reason I thought of you guys with this gospel lesson is it's all about determination, uh, Jesus' unwavering determination to continue on his path. And as you've been talking about, your unwavering determination to hold on to your faith, drive a long way, have worship services in your, in your uh, home even for cadets. Uh, but Jeremy, last week, we saw the devil tempt Jesus with a shortcut to glory in the desert. So what's the shortcut here that the Pharisees are presenting to Jesus? Well, I, I don't even know if there's any uh, good that could, like it, at least with the devil, the devil was trying to uh, tempt Jesus to gain people's souls, gain dominion over them by saying, you know, you bow down to me and then you can have this king, the, all these kingdoms of people without suffering and dying. And this one, the Pharisees are more just saying, why don't you save your own, save your own skin? Uh, Herod's going to kill you. Uh, you better get out of here as if they're, as if they're really concerned about his well-being. Right. Yeah. And what I was studying is, you know, we're not really sure if the Pharisees are fabricating the story, just making it up, or if Herod really wanted to kill Jesus, but uh, yeah, they just want Jesus out of their hair, and they think that Jesus is going to you know, be afraid and run away. So then why wouldn't Jesus let Herod's threats, real or fabricated, deter him? Uh, yeah, just like he says, um, that I've, I've got I've got a mission. I've got my orders to follow. Um, it, that kind of reminds me of, uh, as, as long as we've been talking about military things, that was what the uh, centurion said when uh, he, he told Jesus, you can drive, you can uh, heal my servant long distance. He said, I've, I've got people under my authority and uh, they, they do what I tell them when I give orders to them. And, uh, and then you have... Um, uh, Jesus here saying, I've got my marching orders and I'm going to follow through on them. Uh, so I'm not, is, is that kind of why you, uh, you, you, uh, brought in the sun stalls with, uh, this, this discussion here that Jesus is following his orders. Okay. No, I wasn't really thinking about it that way. Just that determination 
uh, yeah. And, and nothing would deter Jesus. That's the key. He's not going to allow himself to be, to be killed. Even if Herod has real plans to put Jesus to death, you know, Jesus isn't worried about it because he knows that now is not the time. In the Old Testament lesson, we're not going to read it, but the Old Testament lesson from Jeremiah 26, you've got Jeremiah being persecuted by the king and priests and prophets that don't believe his testimony. And here Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those center. What's he talking about there, Jeremy? Uh, that he says that a prophet cannot be killed outside Jerusalem. More or less just uh, the reputation that they've built for themselves that this is, well, yeah, and that's the, the Old Testament lesson uh, of Jeremiah getting put on trial by the people of Jerusalem. Uh, they've built this reputation for themselves and uh, they're living up to, or rather down to that reputation. And uh, Jesus is just saying, this is, this is kind of what you're known for. Uh, and, and now you're going to do the same thing to me too. Right. Uh, Jared and Katie, did either, you know, Jared, I know you grew up in Minnesota and Katie, you grew up in Louisiana. It was like worlds apart, I think. Uh, did either of you grow up with chickens? You ever grew up on a farm? Yes, I, yes, I did. I did. Like, well, not chickens, but we had, we had hogs. I grew up on a hog farm. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Katie? No, sorry, I did not. <laughs> Well, just because, you know, looking at it here, Jesus says, and you can sense there's a tinge of sorrow in his voice. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those sent to her. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. So the imagery here is that Jesus is like the mother hen. He wants these children, the people of Jerusalem, to come under him. But they're like these little chicks that are wandering all over the place. And they're going off on their own, uh, not concerned about the dangers. But the danger is real in that, you know, think of a, a chicken hawk that's up on the branches of a tree nearby, uh, over the barnyard or flying overhead and now he sees these chicks off by themselves and now he's going to come down and and go after those chicks but the mother hen senses the the chicken hawk there and squawks furiously so the chicks come under her wings and then that that hen is too big for the chicken hawk and the uh, the chicks are are too protected to become prey except for that one little chick that's off on his own, doing his own thing. Now he becomes hawk food. So that's the imagery that Jesus is using here for us as, as believers, that we need to have this protection inside the Christian church. So Jared and Katie, how important is it to you as a military family to gather together in that fellowship of the Christian church with other, other chicks underneath the wings of Jesus in church. So I think it's similar to, to what Katie talked about earlier of being able to, you know, up often like everybody in the military, 
of just it's you know when we get orders so if somebody says you're going to mobile alabama there's two things we do where's the nearest wells church where are we going to live like that's kind of you, things you do and where's right um because i think if you look at like-minded people um and not having a lot of family that lives nearby um that becomes your family right like we don't have great by or answer on um so the church really becomes that de facto family and and like katie mentioned earlier it's it's that consistency and you know what you're getting right i mean we went to you know we lived in hawaii for three years right there's a there's one well there uh, i think charlie gum's still the pastor um you know you you get the same thing there right you might see people in a hawaiian shirt flip-flops and shorts but it's the same as if you go up to the frozen tundra in wisconsin you're going to get the same people the same message and i think that's kind of that sense of belonging i'm with you and then katie yeah oh sorry well uh, before before you say something katie is I, i'm just glad i'm proud of you jared talking about the frozen tundra because i know what a big green bay packer fan you are <laughs> Absolutely. I can't, I can't tell you, uh, I, I won't even get into Aaron Rodgers' con contract. We'll keep this professional. <laughs> Jared, are you still a big Vikings fan? Uh, die hard. Skull. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what were you going to say, Katie? Um, no, I just was going to say, um, as much as I love this life, it can also be very hard at times. Uh, and I think that it can be very easy uh, to sort of get lost um, when you move and to, uh, it could be easy to not go to church for a period of time, you know, uh, you don't have that accountability right away. Um, and um, I just think that it's, like you said, it's a sense of it's a sense of um, and I, I just think it's important when you're raising children to, to, to raise them, um, knowing that it's important, I think it's important for a marriage. Um, I just, I think it's important individually, especially when you're facing um, so many deployments. Um, I just, I think it's, it, it's just been um, a, a constant um, for us. And, and, I'm, and I'm thankful that together we've decided to make it such an important part of our life. And I think the thing to add on what Katie's saying too is, you know, uh, you know, as you talk past, you're like, oh, you guys, you're great determination. You've been doing this for 23 years. I mean, that doesn't mean that it's always went well either, right? You said there's there's time. Hey, that hour and a half drive, we'll we'll, we'll catch it next Sunday, right? And and you know, I, I, to you know, we're all sinners, right? And we're 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 not like uh, you know, if you want to take this analogy of of the the mother keeping her. Her little chicks. I mean, there's times where where we went to church as much as we needed to, or it's become difficult because of the distance, or you're getting ready to deploy, so we're gonna spend these next couple weekends together versus doing that. So I think it's I think it's good to 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 have the accountability as well. You know, once you get established in a church, um, to have fellow Christians keeping you accountable. I, I don't know. Yeah. Jared, you want to jump in here on this? Uh, Jared, I'm uh, sorry, Jeremy. Yeah, you get it. You're gonna have to differentiate somehow. I with can't. The, the Jares and the Jareds and the Jeremys. Um. Uh. No, this is a, a favorite uh, section of scripture for me. It, usually, like whatever section I'm reading, I end up saying that. But 
Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I do, I do love this one a lot because uh, it never hit me until I had a, a teacher pointed out in college that, um, you know, God has predestined those who will be saved and, and he's decided ahead of time, they will end up in heaven and there's no other place they can end up besides heaven. Uh, and that's what grace really means is that it is all God's grace even before time began. Uh, but then our logical brains jump right to that uh, conclusion that makes perfect sense, but is completely anti-scriptural. That conclusion that says, well, if God uh, predestined all the people that will be saved, then he must have also decided all ahead of time, everybody who will be sent to hell. And uh, that is that makes perfect sense, but it is completely anti-Christian. And uh, this is a good example of, of it here, because uh, Jesus is saying, no, I wanted these people to be saved. The people of Jerusalem, I wanted to gather them like a hen gathers chicks under her wings. And it was them, it was they who were not willing. You know, we just had a discussion about this last Friday in my Romans Bible class on uh, Romans 9, because Paul does talk about election and predestination there. And one of the ladies had asked about Judas. She said, it always bothers me because it's prophesied that Judas is going to be the one who's going to betray him. So did he not have a choice? And I said what you said, Jeremy. I said, no, you can hear Jesus uh, well, and she asked, did, did Jesus call Judas to be a disciple just so he could betray him? I said, no, he wants him there as a disciple, but you can hear Jesus uh, in the upper room, you know, telling him, warning him, one of you is going to betray me, the one who's dipping his hand in the bowl with me. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Judas, do what you've come to do. It's all about calling Judas to repentance. And I said, it's the exact same thing he does with Peter because Peter's denial is really the same as Judas's betrayal. And Jesus, he reaches out to Judas, tell him, you know, do what you came to do with the kiss to G Peter. It's a few hours later in the courtyard, he looks at him and he calls him to repentance. Both of them, Judas and Peter, they're both sorrowful. The difference is that Peter is sorrowful and he repents. Judas is sorrowful and he commits suicide. Mm -hmm. but, but the key is that uh, Jesus reached out with the gospel, calling both Judas and Peter under his wings, but one wasn't willing. That, that makes sense? Yeah, yeah. I, I know who you're talking about, too, because she pulled me aside at the uh, Lenten soup supper and said, uh, hey, Judas came up again. And uh, she, she liked it when last I think it was Monday, Thursday. And I said I said a few things about Judas that she liked. And uh, she said that you talked about Judas again. Well, I'm glad she was checking up on me to make sure my theology was correct. <laughs> I know I've had that question about Judas myself before, so. There you go. You didn't ask me that one 23 years ago, Katie. I didn't. No, that one came later for me. <laughs> <laughs> so with this, too, talking about gathering together, I've got a question for each of you. So, Jared, what is it like overseas uh, just being trying to be together? Because like you said, we don't have any Wells chaplains. So what's it like for you 
when you can't be there with, uh, you know, Wells Chaplain, don't have a church overseas, what is it like then for these interdenominational services? Can you still get together and find other Wells people or what happens? Um, so, so what I've done, I, and I, I, this is terrible because from quite often who's the gentleman who runs the the wells military um gosh, what's his name do, you, do either one of you remember it no is it a is it a zemer yes yes paul zemer paul zemer uh paul or don zemer but he he's um <laughs> they actually do a really good job he he they there's resources out there um so at, on some of the deployments i know that he would send like um like pre iPod type um, devices where you could listen to Bible studies or sermons um, and just with technology and as kind of, um, you know, depending on which part of the last 20 year war when you were deployed, technology has improved greatly as well. So, I mean, there would be times uh, in my last deployment in 2018 where I could, I could watch the same church service that Katie and the girls were watching, you know, recorded later in the day. Um, I, I would say I probably did more of the self-study and watching stuff on my own than I did as far as like chaplain services, um, you know, in the military, it doesn't matter. Like you, I think where the word Wells has, um, you know, where it gets difficult chaplains to teach services or lead services of other denominations, right? So you could have a Baptist minister, non-denomination or run a non-denomination church. Um, I've, I've just kind of chosen with technology to be able to watch the sermons or use the resources um, that, that the wells. It's kind of my, my yeah. what I've done. No, and I've heard that too, uh, that, you know, it's just difficult as a Lutheran, you know, wells Lutheran, you know what the doctrine is and then to go to a non-denominational service on post at the chapel and you might have, uh, I think this is right, you might have, like you said, a Baptist pastor trying to do a Lutheran service or a Catholic priest trying to do a, a non-denominational service, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So Katie- Which is why I think we, we have kind of a, a nice distinction of calling uh, the pastors who serve, and I know this for at least Europe, I'm not sure about other places, but we, we do have a civilian chaplain and that kind of makes a nice distinction of it. It's not an official uh, worker for the military, but he can still be serving our military families, at least in Europe. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all. Uh, no, I know that they, um, and, and I think that, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, Paul Horn does a lot of it, you know, a lot of pastors around military bases um, have integrated and, and are able to go on bases and lead services. I've heard of some places where, um, you know, they'll allow them to use the chapel on post. Um, so they're, they're pretty open about as far as being accommodating. Yeah. And that was something I didn't pick up on because I was so new and I had no idea how to do, you know, ministry to be a pastor uh, when I was first out there and, you know, they're at Fort Knox and that kind of, for you two, that probably had to be one of the closest uh, Wells churches to where you were living, because it was probably like a five-minute drive for you. It was, and I imagine the challenge with um, people coming in so often for you. Yeah, uh, but I I didn't think of myself as a military pastor 
until I left. And then, oh, shoot, I should have been doing more stuff with the military. Just it, it just I always thought of Fort Knox just as another town like Vine Grove or Elizabethtown. It just never hit me until uh, like 9-11 because I was down there at 9-11 when it happened. And then now I couldn't get on post as easy because before this, if I was visiting some visitors to the worship service on, on a Sunday and I was doing those on Tuesday and I could just drive right on the post, go and visit, you know, Joe and Frieda or whatever, and then stop over and visit with you guys. And it was no big deal, mm -hmm. but then it, then that shut down and uh, it wasn't able to do that quite as easily anymore. Uh, but for Katie, what's it like for you and the other wives when Jared and, you know, the others are, and the other men, when they're deployed, what, what is it like for you and those wives to get together? And how important is that? Um, very, very important. Um, deployments are, are long and hard. Um, I think the, the longest he's on was 15 months. Mm. Um, and that was, that was our first deployment. Uh, it was the scariest deployment. Um, and I don't know what I would have done without the other wives. Um, so yeah, it's very important um, just to have that sense of community, have, you know, kind of know what you're going through. Um, the one in particular that I'm speaking of, we actually were living in Minnesota and I didn't know any of the other wives that were with them at the time, but um, all the other deployments have wives nearby, so. Okay. Jared, uh, do you have anything else on Jeremy, you have anything else on this gospel lesson or any questions for Jeremy? I, I was just going to say, can, can we like call him the, the colonel or something? Uh, <laughs> yes. So, so I, so I get it straight between Jared and just, Jeremy. Yeah. Um, no, no, I think I'm, I'm all set. I, I actually, it's not as uh, big of, as, as distinct in verse 35 as it, as it is in other gospels, but I do think it's kind of neat that if I'm understanding Jesus correctly, he's basically saying, um, if seeing me physically is causing you Pharisees uh, so much uh, consternation, if it's if it's a roadblock, uh, like seeing me, seeing me, Jesus, the person in front of you, um, it, he's actually kind of doing something merciful and saying, I, I want to win you over any way that I can. So I'm, I'm going to not be in front of you. I'm going to take myself out of your sight, uh, at least until Palm Sunday happens. And uh, then you will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, I, I, th I think that's, uh, it, it's, it's true in any case of, of Jesus that he wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So even these enemies of his, uh, he's saying, whatever it takes to break it break through to your hardened heart um i i will you will not see me until that that time comes then then you're gonna have to see me on palm sunday and when he was crucified yeah and that's a good point of the blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord that's when we're going to hear those words uh before we get into the epistle lesson uh as we're talking about worship services and gathering together in church uh i want to Jared and Katie, especially, I wanted to share this story with you that, you know, I take great pride in, 
you know, trying to be a good preacher and bringing people to church. And yet Wednesday night, I was preaching downtown at First Evan. It's the first time this has ever happened to me that I had a father come into church. He shook my hand. He grabbed the bulletins from the ushers, he, he and his three kids, and then they walked into church, and then he realized that I was preaching. And then he... No, 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 he knew, he knew you were preaching. <laughs> he knew you were preaching. Yeah. Uh, he just found out that it was the same sermon that yeah. he and the rest of them had heard a week ago. Yeah, so he found out that I was preaching... And then he handed back the bulletin. He checked his watch and he left. And yeah, but I still love you, Jeremy, even though you did that to me. Oh <laughs> then we went and supported the Caledonia campus. That's right. <laughs> he, he had shunned me to go up and listen to Pastor Dave preach. Okay, as long as you're taking uh, time for these stories, I should just point out <laughs> that uh, two of those three people are here in the room with me because track practice got done uh, in plenty of time. Uh, and also, I forgot to uh, hit my stopwatch when we started. Yeah. So I, I'm going to count on you to uh, keep track of our time here. So have you been keeping track of time? Yeah, we're, we're close. We can just we want to read the epistle lesson and then just touch on that. I think that'll be good. Okay. So... I just want to make sure that I want to make sure that Jared and Katie, you, you heard that story that after 25 years in the ministry, I've only had one family walk out to go and listen to a different preacher. Oh, he's preaching. We're out of here. It's right. <laughs> no, thanks. We're not buying any. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let me read for you Philippians chapter three uh, and then one verse of uh, chapter four. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. Paul writes, brothers, join together in imitating me and in paying attention to those who are walking according to the pattern we gave you. To be sure, many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. I told you about them often, and now I'm saying it while weeping. Their end is destruction. Their God is their appetite, and their glory is in their shame. They are thinking only about earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. We are eagerly awaiting for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. By the power that enables him to subject all things to himself, he will transform our humble bodies to be like his glorious body. So then, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, in this way, keep standing firm in the Lord, my dear friends. So here, Paul is encouraging us to model ourselves after those who who live according to the pattern that he gave us. And I want uh, Jared and Katie and Jeremy, think of people you know who have weathered life storms, who have shaped their lives around God's words and willingly carried their crosses. So Jared and Katie, first of all, can you think of any, can you think of at least one story of someone who models the Christian faith for you guys? So I'm trying to think of, of, I mean, I think I would look at my grandparents. Like I just, I guess I would think about my, my grandpa, Tom, who, who passed away a number of years ago. Um, but he was always kind of the, the gruff guy. And he was kind of the guy that as a younger kid, I was always a little bit intimidated by. 
And I think as he got older, he got a little bit softer. But, you know, my grandma and grandpa, you know, every Sunday were insured, um, did mission work in Mexico for a number of years, um, you know, even at, even while he was having cancer treatments and was was still doing what he loved. Uh, it, I mean, that, that's a tough question. I wasn't ready for that one. But that, that's who I think of as my, my grandparents and kind of how, how they did that even when times were difficult. Um yeah, I, I would say my grandpa Tom, grandma Luann. Katie? Um, gosh, I, 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 um. Well, I'll let you think about it. We'll see if Jeremy's ready. Okay. If, if Jeremy's got something. I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> Is there someone no, I'm, that... I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> uh, so you're you're keying you're kind of keying off of the uh, verses where he, he, Paul tells them to imitate him. Yes. Huh? Yeah. And uh, yeah, that that is I mean that is a tough one because a lot of times it, it comes off as um, full of yourself or arrogant if you say, well, you should model your life after mine. But uh, that's finally why God does give us heroes or uh, leaders or or people that. Uh, um, I, I, I can think of some uncles that I, that I've had that, uh, have started out with, uh, very little in life or, or, uh, maybe, maybe very, even I would say maybe not materially, but even spiritually very little and, uh, have grown a lot in spiritual maturity, uh, uh hard workers. Um, obviously you think of parents and grandparents and, uh, different uh, teachers that I've had. Um, I don't know. How specific do you want me to get? No, that's that's good. And, you know, I thought of here, you, know, you mentioned uh, relatives, like Jared, you mentioned your, your grandpa. And here I was thinking of my grandma, Miski, whom I never met. She died before I was born. And yet I, I got something from my dad a couple of years ago. You know, I was putting out some things and an old German Bible and a couple of other things. And, and then there was a photo album. And in there, my grandma Miski had written, hand, handwritten a whole story about how my dad came to be there because my dad was orphaned. His mom died when he was like four his dad died when he was five and he went and lived with his godparents, Bill Miskey and then his wife. And then, uh, you know, they never adopted him, but they were uh, his, his foster parents. And she just wrote, and I never knew any of this. And it just, she wrote just so beautifully and just expressed that Christian faith saying, well, this happened, but I knew that God was blessing me with this. This happened, but God blessed me with this. And one of the things she wrote was that for whatever reason, she wasn't able to have children. And then God blessed them with Harold, my dad. And then a few years later, as uh, then she again stressed, we weren't able to have children. But again, then they God brought another foster child into their home. And and she talked about their home being filled with warmth and love through these other children that God brought into the home. And it just really neat for me. And I, I had my girls read it because obviously they never met her because I never did. But just to know this, uh, this parent to my, to my dad 
And, you know, then that faith got passed on to him, obviously got passed on to me and on to my children. Katie, you have anyone that you can think of? I do. Thank you for giving me a moment to, to kind of collect myself. Um, I would have to say um, one of my dear friends, Angie Peckman, actually. Um, I know her from our church at Risen Savior. I actually had the pleasure of working with her. I was her aide uh, for a couple of years there. She is a teacher. And um, I just feel she sort of embodies um, everything that I find um, important in a, in a human being. Like she's just a wonderful wife and mother and um, she has just so much grace and beauty and she's got a beautiful faith and she is the best hugger. Um, <laughs> and I just, I really look up to her as a, as a person, as a woman. So I'd have to say Angie, definitely. What risen savior is that? In Pooler, Georgia. Jeremy, is there anything you want to bring up in the epistle lesson? Again, uh, is that the pastor or the colonel? I said Jeremy. I did not hear the Emmy part. Sorry. No. No, I, uh, even wrote, I even wrote down Jeremy and I underlined it in my notes so that I say Jeremy this time. You would enunciate it. Yes. Um, well, I mean, there's so much you could say about a, a lot of it there. Um, people walking as enemies of the cross. Uh, serving only their bellies, uh, the, the um, finding glory in what is shameful. I think that's always very timely. Uh, but uh, our, our citizenship being in heaven. Uh, actually, if I can kind of bring it again back to the military theme, um, Philippi was uh, a retirement community for the Roman officers, for Roman soldiers. And uh, I, I think in a lot of ways it it was it must have been very jarring or unsettling for them to hear Paul talk about some of the things that he talks about in this letter. Um, he does begin like talking about. I suppose he kind of wins some favor some favor with them talking about how the Praetorian Guard uh, had all heard about Christ through him in chapter one because he was under house arrest and so all these soldiers were guarding him and every soldier that guarded him he, he gave evangelism pitch to uh, but then in chapter two he's telling these philippians that they should model themselves after a person in the roman empire who got crucified which would just be a, a shameful thing that you didn't even discuss in polite roman society much less uh, say to a you know retired officer uh, that you should model your life after this crucified uh, Jew. And then, um, uh, and then at the end here, the citizenship part is, you can imagine in your human nature, uh, taking a lot of pride and patriotism in your, in your Roman citizenship. And uh, here, Paul says, uh, well, as important as that is, your, your true citizenship is in heaven. Uh, and that, that must have that's kind of a, a little bit, I don't know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about with the audience that would have been first reading this. Yeah. Jared and Katie, is there anything else you want to throw in here uh, as we're wrapping up? Anything that you can think of of just, this is your time to shine. 
Um, no, I, I appreciate you guys having us on here. I, it's funny. I, um, I bet you it was like eight or 10 years ago. I was going to, I started writing a paper. I've never finished it and I need to finish it. And uh, I, I think it's different where uh, you guys are up there. Cause I think a lot of times, um, you know, like in places in Alabama, you have a lot of first time Wells members joining churches and it's uh, I've always had a theory that it takes about 12 to 18 months for a new member to feel comfortable in a church. Uh, and, and I've always just thought that that was interesting. I was getting, I've, I've started writing this article and I've never finished it. Um, Cause we, we actually had had some folks down here at our church a couple of weeks about outreach and other things. And just, you know, it's funny if we've, we've went to nine different Wells churches uh, and we're really excited to be here in Mobile because I think, you know, we, we may end up staying here for a little bit longer. Um, we're able to put some roots down and really become a part of a church. But it's um, it, it's always interesting because you got to be careful that you don't have one foot out the door while you're at a church because uh, you know you're leaving soon. So that, that's always one part that's it's been tough. We have found the secret to integrating into just to stay out locked. <laughs> that's how you get to know people at a church. You yeah. don't leave after you don't leave after the service. You stay for the fellowship. Thank you guys so much. This has been really fun. Yeah, it was fun. And and what you're saying, Katie, is exactly true. I remembered, you know, in Kentucky, I, I back then Sean Hannity was just starting to get popular, and he would talk about d- devoting three hours to him. And I just stole that, and I said, "This is what it's like in church. It's three hours." an hour for Bible study, an hour for worship, and the people there would stay for an hour afterwards for fellowship. Definitely. Yeah. And, and it, it is. And I think that's so important that like what you were saying, Jared, of getting, uh, you know, it takes that long. I don't, I've forgotten that. And it was hard in the military, in a, in a military church like that, because, you know, if I find, I found you guys pretty early on, but other people, you know, maybe they're there for a year or so, and then they start finding a church, and then they take the classes, then they get acclimated, but they're only there for three years. So we might have them only for for a year as members, and then they move on somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I remember with one, with Todd, what, I worked on him for months. He was coming to church with his with his friends, and he... I kept staying on him to, to take the classes with me. And he said, no, no, um, it'll, it'll wait, it'll wait. And then he got orders to go to the Pentagon. And he said, hey, pastor, I need to take classes because uh, I got orders to go to the Pentagon and I wanted to join the church. Said, Fantastic. And he goes, yeah, I leave in like four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to do 14 lessons in four weeks, actually three weeks because uh, we had them join on that third Sunday and then the fourth Sunday we were doing things because you guys moved around so much. We did a commissioning service as missionaries elsewhere. So Todd joined the church the next Sunday. He's a missionary and commissioned to go to, uh, out to DC area. And then he goes to the church and he becomes their Sunday school superintendent. So I did all the work and- <laughs> And my classmate gets the blessing. So, no, thanks. <laughs> thanks for being on, guys. This was awesome. Uh, but we're gonna, we'll wrap it up here. So this is Pastor Zarling with Jared and Katie Sunstall and Pastor Blinded by the Lightning. Stay thirsty, my friends, and then drink deeply from the water of life. <laughs>